Hey, everybody. This is a movie club live stream. If you're listening to this on the podcast, hopefully the audio is not too weird. Why is everything so foggy? What's why does it look like I'm in heaven? Oh, what? That's weird. Here, hold on. I know the people on the podcast are like, yeah, you don't look like anything. What is wrong with what's wrong with my camera? So it's like super it's like I'm in heaven. What is going on here? Um let me try wiping this off. I'm just I'm like what the heck is going on? Or is it my screen? Are you guys seeing everything normal? There we go. Maybe I don't know. Greasy that was weird. I was in heaven. Hey, guys. So, welcome to uh, the Dead Rabbit Radio Movie Night Movie Club. Hey, Mouseki, I love you, too. Now, we're going to talk about some movies that we saw. I invited all you guys to watch them. They're available on Shudder. Again, I'm not sponsored by these guys. I feel like I'm surprised this isn't a conspiracy already that I'm. Uh, this has all been a paid advertisement. The entire run of Dead Rabbit Radio was to get to this point. But Shudder has that promo code shut in. You get 30 days free. And I found all these movies on there. And we're going to talk about them. We're going to spend Friday night talking about them. So I don't know how many of you guys saw these movies. But we're going to be going into some spoilers. And I'm going to be looking at these comments here. And that was another thing. I want to see if I could actually get you up on. If I could watch this on YouTube. Because I think I have an easier time following the comments up here on YouTube. Earlier today. There was a live stream that right now is titled Test. Oh, yes, dude. One Cut of the Dead. We're going to talk about that one last because the spoiler is so big. Most people um, most people should see it. But, um, yes, One Cut of the Dead. Um, oh, come on. What's going on here? But anyway, so we did our... I've talked about these movies all weekend. All week, I mean. Is, my, is that Reflection? Bugging you, my glasses. It's like the ultimate nerd thing that you can see the reflection. You can see what, what am I looking at? You're like riveting podcasting, Jason. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, here I am live. So let me turn the volume down. This so way, let me turn the volume down. That was trippy. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Yes, Fury of the Cobras. Um, uh, what? Let me ask you this real quick, Fury. What did you think of One Cut of the Dead? Without giving away spoilers, what did you think of One Cut of the Dead? Thank you very much, Vertigo22. Thank you. Um, I, I, I thank you so much for the donation. Really, really appreciate it. I have not covered the camera heads, I believe. Let me make a note here real quick. I uh, should have brought a pin. Hold on. I should have, um, I remember getting the camera head request a long time ago. I don't think I covered them. Oh, and this is Dead Rabbit Radio merch right here. Bam. We sell these in the merch store. This is Grant Scott's artwork. This is dope. Okay. Vertigo 22. Camera heads. I have the notes. I have, like, the websites and stuff on that. Um, but what happened to your dog, dude? Like, did you lose him like he ran away? Or, um, this is my personal. Um, but yeah, no, that's, but no, but on, <laughs> on a lighter note, oh, I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry. Um, I'll, I'll double check on the camera heads. I don't think I've done it and we can get it 
fast-tracked for you. Sorry about that. Sorry about you, little puppy guy. Um, Barfy Man, it is. it might be a reoccurring thing. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. And then, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I feel the same way, uh, Fury, about uh, One Cut of the Dead. So, hey, honey, so let's go ahead and move on to, uh, oh, 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 so let's talk about some movies. So the first movie we watched, hey, Salvax, the first movie we watched was The Room. The Room, not the, not the, um, uh, Salvax, uh, we're doing movie, we watched a bunch of movies this week and we're discussing about them. No, thank you, Vertigo. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I'm able to put this show on, especially during the, the quarantine, um, I'm blessed that, you know, I have a, my studio here um, and everything was just kind of ready to go. It sucks, you know, um, financial situation is always kind of rusty, but um, I'm glad that I could be putting this stuff out for you guys. And I think you guys helped me, too. All right, Barbie man's wearing his merch shirt, too. Um, I think you guys are helping me out, too. So and also I want to give a birthday shout out to my friend Petra. Petra turns 19 today. And she's celebrating it in quarantine. That's no fun, but she's with her mom and, you know, she's having a good time. But The Room, dude. So this was the setup for The Room. And what's funny is this is what got me to subscribe to Shudder in the first place. I kept seeing commercials for The Room on YouTube. Now, The Room is a story about this man and this wife, husband and wife. They buy a house in the middle of nowhere. Classic haunted house thing, right? And you have... It's just a really nice house, but they start to notice there's some weird stuff about it. The wiring's really weird. And then they find, like, a room. Like, just a room behind a wall. You know, it's one of those things where they're peeling off the paper. They open the door, and it's just a room. It's an empty room that had obviously been hidden for some reason. And he's in there. The guy's in there, and he's, you know, trying to replenish the house, repair it, stuff like that. And he's drinking in the room. And he's empty, and he goes, I wish I had another bottle. And then the lights dim, and then another full bottle of liquor appears in the room. And basically, the setup, the first act is them discovering the room and wishing for stuff and it appearing in the room. And that's interesting. The problem is, is we don't know how long it takes, what the time difference is between them finding the room and then them moving into act two. Was it a night? Was it three months? We don't know. And that's kind of important because what starts act two is she's trying to have a kid and she can't. They've been trying to have a kid. She's had two miscarriages. So she asks the room for a baby. So the little baby appears, the little baby boy appears, right? So it's a really interesting concept. And and so the couple starts fighting. He goes, dude, you can't ask for a baby. Like, we asked for... They're, like, eating escargot, and they're, like, pouring dime. It's what... Millions of dollars in this room. They have space suits. They have NASA suits. They're jumping around. They can do whatever they want. Anything they can think of, this room can do. He creates a human boy. Around the same time, the guy also found... Finds out there were... The previous owners were murdered, like, 20 years ago. So, dun-dun-dun. Like, classic horror movie thing. What we find out is if anything leaves the house, it does sound like, Vertigo, it does sound like a monkey paw thing. 
if anything leaves that, it's basically like what you wish will destroy you. If anything leaves the house, it ages immediately. Because at first he has to go into town. He wants to find out more about the murders. He finds out the murderer is at an insane asylum, and he goes there. And the murderer is like, yes, I did kill the people who used to be in that house. You should leave now, but you won't, because I know about the room, and I know what it does to people. So the hero, the hero, he's just a normal guy, interesting in this sense. He leaves, and that's when he finds out all the money he brought is dust. He realizes that the stuff can't leave the house. He doesn't tell his wife that. He wants the baby gone. He wants the baby gone, right? He doesn't not tell his wife. Well, he tells his wife, don't take the baby outside. And she goes, why not? And he goes, just don't take the baby outside. And they're not having the best relationship. So what does she do? She immediately takes the baby outside and begins to get older. And he locks the door. Because he doesn't want baby. The room is Thanos, yes. He can snap. You can wish for half the universe. That's actually interesting. Because I guess it would be contained in the house. So it wouldn't give you the ability to destroy everything. But could you wish the room away? Anyways, now you have a baby. Now it's a 10-year-old kid. And then she, then they kind of realize what's going on. The movie is interesting. And I'll just spoil it. Spoil it if I'm going to give the spoiler away. Because this was like a movie review slash synopsis thing. Movie club thing. Because like when you do a book club, you just don't discuss the beginning of the book. Um, the movie's interesting. We don't know how much time is really passing. At one point when the kid's around 9 or 10, he goes, I've been trapped in here for months. And they tell him that you can't go outside because there's like a germ out there, which is actually quite quite fitting. You can't go outside, you'll die. And so he... Um, you probably could do... Vertigo says it sounds like a good idea for a television show. You probably could do an anthology on this. Showing what it does to different people. But anyways, the kid finds the room. The kid finds out about the room. And he goes... So they're going in there and they're making dresses for themselves and money. And they can make food and water and whatever they want. The kid goes in there and he wishes to be outside. He creates a brand new reality. It's an endless forest with a snowman sitting in the middle of it. So at that point, the dad's like, dude, we gotta kill this kid. Because he knows how to use the room more than we do. And he, he has a good point. He goes, because see, whatever, ex whatever you create in the room can exist in the house. It just can't leave the house. And so he goes, what if the kid makes up a dragon? We have a dragon flying around our house. It'll kill us. Like this kid can think of anything. We, they had never thought of, oh, let's make it Washington, D.C. Or let's make it, you know, under the water. The kid just broke the game like that. And so then he finds out the guy in the mental hospital was also a baby who was wished for. And if the person who made the wish dies, the wish can leave the house. So the kid goes, my mom wished for me and she wanted me to actually have a normal life. So she killed my dad and then killed herself. And then I could leave, but I got blamed for the murders. And his name was John Doe because he, they legally didn't have a kid. So... They, the kid finds that out. The mom finds that out. And so now everyone knows. The mom goes to kill herself and she can't because she wants the son to live. But the son now realizes the game. And so he tries to... The, the last act is him trying to kill the, the people. It is them trying to kill the people. 
And it's one of those things, the last act is where it kind of starts to lose steam, and I'm not going to go into super detail, it's kind of this cat and mouse thing going on, but he does, he can create whatever reality he wants, he beats him up, knocks him out, drags the mom into the room, but the room now is a perfect replica of the house, and he wishes he looked like his dad, and he rapes his mom. So... Now it's super creepy. Technically, it's not his kid, because it was just a wish-for thing, but he pretends to be the dad, and then he rapes the mom, and then the mom realizes that this isn't her husband, and then the real husband comes into the room, and they're having this huge fight in this alternate reality, and they have to figure out how to get back to our reality. And they do, and then they trick him into thinking they're still in the room, and he, from the wishing room to the wishing room, yes, Scar. They trick him to thinking he's still in the room, and he runs out of the house and gets super old and turns to dust and dies in his mother's arms. Interesting, interesting horror movie. And then the ending happens, okay? Then there's the twist, of course. It's it's an addition. So what happens is, uh, to answer, Vertigo had a question. Um, when he creates an entire reality, is an addition to the house. If you walk through the door, you would, at this point, you walk through the door and you're in an endless forest. But at the end of that forest is the house. So, but originally it was just a room, but he wished the room to be a new reality. But now they're kind of running in and out of, like, at one point, it's like a Scooby-Doo cartoon. At one point, they're just running up and down the stairs because the reality is, it's interesting Visually, it's more. Here's the thing: when I put it in, I expected a movie. There's a movie came out a couple of years ago called The Brass Teapot, which is a movie kind of like this. These people get a, and it's kind of an interesting twist. They get a brass teapot, and if they make a wish and they spill blood, the wish comes true. The bigger the wish, the more pain they have to go into. So they're like, "I really want a million dollars." Break their ankles. That's a good movie. Kind of schlocky. This one I expected to be a little schlocky too, but it, it had a twist. It was definitely a foreign film. I picked up on that about halfway through. Everyone had an accent in it. First I thought he was just from Europe and she was American, but anyways, turns out, here's the stinger. Um, she's pregnant. She's pregnant with the baby's kid. I know it sounds weird. So the baby took the form of, the baby became a 10-year-old, took the form of her husband, raped her, and died. And as whoever makes the wish, if they die, the wish can survive outside of the room. She's pregnant with that, that room's baby monster thing, which I thought was interesting. It actually made me go, wait a second. Oh, yeah, dude, because he died. So the wish could live. And then you wonder, is she ever going to tell the husband or something like that? So I thought that was it. That was a good ending for that movie. Um, that was The Room, though. That was The Room. I hope you guys had a chance to see that. Um, I think that's one of those movies that even if you kind of knew the twist and the turns, it's still kind of an interesting movie. It's not super fast-paced, but it's well done. And out of the five movies that I watched, I would probably rate that the fourth best movie. The fourth best movie, but that's only because the other movies were so good. Let's go ahead and move on to um, uh, Soul Station. Now, have you guys seen Train to Busan or um, 
Soul Station. Have you guys ever seen? Let's start. Let's start off with Train uh, Train to Busan. Actually, have you guys seen Train to Busan? Honey, I recommend the room. It's a pretty interesting Train to Busan. Yes, tickets. Train to Busan. Um, Scar TV. The 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 environment was endless. Once you're in the room, you could he they they at one point they're wearing astronaut suits and they're jumping around. They could have wished to be in deep space. They didn't think that. But the kid has a limitless imagination. He totally broke the room. Train to Busan is easily, easily tied for best zombie movie ever made. Now, okay. You got to give props to Night of the Living Dead. That movie scared me so bad. I was 15 years old. It was on American movie classics. And they showed stuff like Casablanca and the Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Like... Old black and white stuff that I didn't watch back then. I barely watch today. I was home alone. It was a Saturday. I was a janitor working at a church. And it was 2 p.m. And Night of the Living Dead came on AMC. And it terrified me. I was vaguely aware of zombies when I was a little kid. Um, Night of, uh, Return of the Living Dead and Return of the Living Dead 2 came out of theaters and the commercials scared me. But I was vaguely aware, really, of what zombies. I was 15 years old and I watched Night of the Living Dead. I remember when I first started watching it, like my dad was in the living room or mom was in the living room. But as I'm watching it, like people just kind of get up doing their own thing and the sun is setting. I had to go to work. I was watching it before I had to walk two miles to work. Never seen that movie before. It terrified me. I was glued to my seat. I never thought that back then they made anything that gory. Anyways, and then I walked to work. And I had a total fear of zombies ever since. So that, I, I think to me that that's the most influ influential zombie movie. But when we talk about like zombie movies outside of that, Dawn of the Dead, the remake, the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead movie is fantastic. Director's cut's even better if you can get... Director's Cut on DVD, all of the supplemental stuff. It's amazing. Train to Busan, Vertigo, it's right here. It's right here. Vertigo says he hasn't heard of Train to Busan. It sounds like Snowpiercer with zombies. I haven't seen Snowpiercer. But, and my little brother keeps getting me to watch it. And I was going to watch it, but I had a corrupted copy, and it's a long story. But anyways, Train to Busan... Is is basically what you would think it is. Uh, like Vertigo said, it was a it's a movie about a train full of zombies. It is a movie that you can tell that the people who made it said, you know what? For the next two weeks, we're going to sit on the train, we're going to take notes, and we're going to write down every single thing that can happen with a zombie on the train. No, I, Jerry, I haven't seen Parasite yet. My little brother saw it. Uh, he when he was flying out from Taiwan over Christmas, he told me he told me the twist and everything. Um, there's a scene, of course, in the bathrooms. There's a scene that takes place between the cars. There's a scene that takes place in the overhead luggage bins. There's a scene that takes place at the, at the main, like, dock with all the trains. There's a scene that takes place in a tunnel. There's a scene, there's multiple, multiple scenes that take place in the tunnel. You can tell that they really, and the reason why I like that is, you know, you go into a mall and you think, what would happen if zombies attacked right now? You're sitting at home. What would happen if zombies attacked right now? The, the people who made um, Train to Busan really thought, if I was on a train and zombies attacked, what would happen? And they replayed that scenario. Every single thing you can think of on a train happens in this. 
Train to Busan is action-packed. Uh, Big Boss, yeah, we, we may keep doing stuff like this. Um, oh, yeah, it's going to stay up as far as that goes, and it'll be on the podcast as well. Um, Train to Busan is action-packed. And it's one of those creepy things about zombie movies that I really ugh, kind of terrifying me about zombie movies. That it starts off so normal. And Dawn of the Dead did it great as well. People are kind of going about their business, and there's little hints in the background that something's happening. A news report. A mass fight breaks out in downtown as four people took on five cops. And then they kind of move past the television set. To the point where when the train is just starting to go, what happens is this little girl, her parents are divorced, and she's been begging her distant father, her father who's all concerned about work. Been, hey, smelly punk rocker. Who's super concerned about work. She's been begging him. Please take me to Busan to see my mom. Fine, 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 I'll do it. And so they get on the train, and just as the train starts moving, the little girl's looking out the window, and she sees one of the ticket takers get tackled. And she, But she's too small, so she can't really see over the window and see what happens. She turns to her dad, and her dad's sleeping, and the train's just like... Nah, Super creepy! Super creepy, and a co- what happened was one infected person sneaks on the train, and these are Dawn of the Dead zombies. Dawn of the Dead zombies. David asks if I watched the uh, Wreck franchise, the REC franchise, and thanks for liking the show. I have. I've seen all of them. I saw the wedding one. I saw the prequel. I guess they're making a new one. They have, like, three of them? Four of them? Um... There's an infected one on the train. They um, climb over each other. They run. Um, They contort their bodies. You like that little action? They contort their bodies all around. Super vicious zombies. Very violent film, which I'm not, at this stage of my life, I'm not like, oh, it's got to be super gory. But there's a lot of emotional violence. You get to know these characters pretty well. And they start sticking their neck out for each other. What I like about it is Dawn of the Dead takes place over the course of like eight months or something like that. And um, and this one takes place over the course of a trip from this city to this city, which is really, really interesting. Yeah, Vertigo. Um, quarantine, yeah, there was four rec films and uh, I did see Quarantine. I did see the American remake. There, Oh yeah, the fourth rec one was The Plane, right? Was at the airport. There was the first two, I think, were in the hotel. And then, I think, I'll get to that in a second. And then they had the prequel of the wedding. I think the last one was at an airport. Train to Busan, I believe, is on Netflix as well. You can rent it on YouTube. I think you can actually watch it on YouTube for free, I think. But um, Train to Busan is excellent. It's an excellent zombie movie. It's super intense. It does not let up until the very last frame. There's a scene where there is a guy who is a bad guy. He is a bad actor. He Not as a terrible actor, but he's not a good person. And he gets his... He doesn't get a redemption, but... So sad. I'll give away a spoiler, because again, talk about spoilers. That movie doesn't have so many spoilers, right? Because it's just a zombie movie. This one guy who's a really bad guy, he finally gets bit... He turns to the to the, the lead the lead actors, 
and goes, I actually wrote down the quote. It's terrible because he's been doing stuff the whole time to get people killed. This guy is like, I'm the CEO of this company. You need to get me here. And I'm super important. And that guy's infected. We got to lock him out. He's constantly doing stuff to get people killed. And then he gets bit. Okay. And then he's, he doesn't know he's bit. He's slowly getting infected. We see it. He doesn't see it. And he looks at the protagonist. He looks at him and he goes, I'm scared. Just want to go home. My mom is waiting for me and I have to see my mom. You're like, oh my God. Oh. And the dude's like, you're infected. And he's like, no, I'm. And he starts. And it, it's so human. It's so human. He's not just a bad guy because the movie needs a bad guy. He needs to see his mom. He's like, my mom's in Busan. And like, he's probably like, that character is probably like in his 50s. I'm in my 40s. I totally feel that, man. Like, it just like, in a time of emergence. I remember once I was having this super bad anxiety attack. And um, I thought I was going to die. I was had to be like in my early, I probably was in my mid-20s. I woke up, my heart was beating so fast I could see my shirt moving. Someone die. Called up 911. I was talking to the ambulance. I was like, can you come down here? Like, my heart's beating so bad. I don't know what's going on. And they're talking to me, and they're like, just stay on the line. And I remember thinking, I just want to talk to my mom. I just want to talk to my mom. Because I thought I was going to die. I thought I had minutes left. And in that moment, all I wanted to do was call my mom and, and hear my mom's voice. So when they give that to a, a victim in a zombie movie... Why he's been so evil, he just wants to see his mom, dude. Ugh. It's rough. It's rough, dude. That is a rough... That's great for a zombie movie, because when have you seen that in a zombie movie? Dawn of the Dead, they had a bad guy. They had a guy who was kind of behind the scenes, kind of being a jerk. And his character was, oh, I'm a jerk. And you have to listen to me, because I have the boat key. This one, you actually... It was in that... 10 second scene you realize why he's been acting the way he does because he just wants to see his mama but i do like tickus's comment he said the last word that that man says is he looks at the camera and says like and subscribe to dead rabbit radio and then winks to the camera that would be great but that's all i'm going to talk about uh train to busan because again yeah like error b was saying what can you spoil about a zombie movie just that there's zombies. What was that? Oh, that's my phone. I did not foresee my getting messages. Um, let's move on, though, to the prequel of Train to Busan, Soul Station. So Train to Busan came out first, and then a couple months later, Soul Station came down. Now, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It's the capital of South Korea. It's Seoul, right? S-E-O-U-L. The guy who directed Train to Busan is actually an anime director. He's only done animated films. Train to Busan is his first movie. And they're getting ready to do a sequel. So if you, I, I'd recommend watching these before that. So that makes sense why Train to Busan is so dynamic. There are some, so many good set pieces in that. And the zombies are just like a, a, a force of will coming at you. Soul Station, he also directed. And that as well has that combination of, it's a, it's a slower movie. Soul Station is a much slower movie. 
And Tickets just said Soul Station had a great twist. I didn't see that coming at all. It has an amazing twist. The twist in it is nuts. The twist in it is nuts. Soul Station, I don't think, is as tight as Train to Busan, but I do recommend watching it. I recommend watching Train to Busan first. Because even though it's a prequel, it's just what happened in the previous day. So in Train to Busan, you're hearing reports of, like, riots. This is what that's referring to. And it's basically the story of a prostitute and her boyfriend breaking up. Okay, prostitute and her boyfriend slash pimp breaking up the night of a zombie apocalypse. But the first, uh, this director is really good. I actually should take that towel. Now I should actually check and see who it is. The first 10 minutes is really sad, dude. He does this sad stuff. The very first guy we see is a hobo. There's a lot of homeless people in this movie. Is a, which would be the first affected by a zombie pandemic. The zombie attack. Because they'd just be getting taken out and then you wouldn't really know. Um, this, this old man, this old homeless man comes in with a bite to his neck and just kind of falls down. And this guy's like, brother, no, come on, you're my brother. I love you so much, brother, don't. And the first 10 minutes is him running around trying to get medical help for his brother. And it's so sad. Because it's his actual brother. He's trying to get some medicine. He can't afford it. And he tries to go to this shelter, but they won't let him in. The other hobos are picking on him and stuff like that. And he's trying to get his his brother's dead. And he's like, no. It's why is this in my zombie movie? This human emotion, this utter sadness and bleakness. And then we start cutting to the... um, Vertigo 22 said the real zombies are the friends we made along the way. Um, we cut into meeting this prostitute, this young girl who was who was like a prostitute. And then she tried to get away and she met this boy. And then the boy found out that she used to be a prostitute. So he goes, well, why don't you prostitute for me? So he's like at a gaming center and she's prostituting. She's like, I have bills to pay. Like da, 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 da. And they dumped, he breaks up with her and then zombies attack. Now, her dad sees a posting online of um, his daughter. And some guy at work is like, hey, this is your daughter, right? I don't know why the guy was trolling for for young girl, for young prostitutes, young women prostitutes. But anyways, he goes, I think I saw your daughter. And um, here she is. And he, she's like, what? Yeah, that is my daughter. I've got to go find her. So he finds the pimp and beats the pimp up. He's like this young geeky guy. Beats, I haven't seen Sicario, actually, Vertigo. And uh, Tickets. He beats up this young pimp and then says, you got to take me to where she's at or I'm going to kill you. And so the movie is the girl and she teams up with another hobo, the first hobo that gets killed by his brother. But the zombies are attacking everywhere. It's, it, is, it, is a, it does have a lot of zombie scenes in it. It's just not as tight as Train to Busan. And then, so we have the, the the young girl, and when I say young, she's like in her 20s, because again, I'm older. She's not creepy young, she's like in her 20s, but we have the young woman, the hobo, on their adventure, <laughs> adventure, they're trying not to get murdered, and then, but again, you have these interesting things, like what would the police do, and then the military gets called in, and you have all this stuff, basic zombie stuff. Here's the twist. If you don't want to know the twist to Soul Station, stop, turn the volume off for about a minute or two. Because I'll tell you what, when I put my hand down, I'll stop talking about the twist because it is an interesting twist. 
Lil Ugly, I bought that on a past um, live stream. Okay, here's a twist to Soul Station. She does end up surviving, and she gets into this model apartment building. There's no people whatsoever, so she's totally safe. She passes out. And the boyfriend and the dad find her. Now, the whole way this has been going on is that she's been calling up the boyfriend, and the boyfriend's like, me and your dad are looking for you. Where are you at? And sometimes she knows where she's at, and sometimes she doesn't. And she's been scratched at this point, too. So we know she's doomed, but they don't really know the rules. They figure a bite will do it, but they're not really aware of the rules. So this whole time, she calls up her boyfriend, or her boyfriend calls up you. Where are you? Where are you? And she's like, oh, I'm here. And then sometimes she can't answer the phone. Eventually, she goes, I'm in this tower that's model homes. I'm totally safe. She falls asleep. The boyfriend finds her and goes, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm so glad me and your dad have been all over the place looking for you. And then the dad walks in and she goes, that's not my dad. That's my former pimp. And he goes nuts and starts beating them both up. And he's like, you borrowed money from me, you whore. You left me in such a horror. But you know what I had to do? Beating her up. He starts beating up the dude. He's smashing him, dude. And then finally he pulls a knife out, slits the boyfriend's throat, just kills him on the spot. And then tells her, because she, she's like, I just want to go home. And he goes, when you stole that money from me, I went to your dad's house and said he needed to pay me your debt. He said, give me three days. I gave him three days. I went back. The house was abandoned. He goes, you don't have a house. You don't have a home. You stole from me. Your dad left you. That's how much garbage you are. He finds her, drags her out. And... um kind of begins to mess around with her, and she dies. And he starts crying. He's like, no, why did I do that? Why did I hurt you so badly? Oh, no, oh, no. I'll never get my money back. Oh, no. And then she becomes a zombie and eats him. So an interesting twist. Vertigo, I will see Sicario. What I actually heard is um, that the sequel's better. And thank you for the $3.50. I heard the sequel's better. So, hey, hey, Sarah, Sarah Vim. Um, Sicario, and what was the Sicario 2, like, War of the Roses, or, like, Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead. I should have known that one. But I can watch Sicario. Definitely. I've definitely been interested in it. So that is, though, Soul Station. That's definitely. Day of the Soldado, yeah. Probably Soldado. is Day of the Soldier, right? I know that much Latin. Or Day of the Solo, dude. Anyway, so Soul Station, that is Soul Station. I would rank that it was better than The Room, but I wouldn't say it was better than um, Train to Busan. Train to Busan was definitely really, really tight movie. Soul Station was good, great twist. You don't expect it. You don't expect that twist. I don't really, here's the thing though. I don't think the twist really adds anything to the movie. And it made me think, Listen, dude, <coughs> I may be a pimp, and you may owe me like $2,000 or something like that. That's not worth jumping off buildings. They should have built him up to be more psychotic in the beginning. Like, that last pimp I was with, uh, I took money from, and he ended up having to do something horrible for the mob or the mob. It just, him, that twist didn't add anything to the movie. Didn't really detract anything from the movie. 
But if it wasn't there, I still would have enjoyed the movie. The fact that it was there was interesting. But in the end, it didn't make the movie better. It made it more kind of that last bit exciting. But then you think about it and you're like, how many roofs? Because, you know, he's like jumping from roof to roofs and outrunning zombies and fighting. He's like, I'll get you. Oh, let's get like, I'll get to this girl. And he's like fighting with cops. Let me see my daughter. Let me see my daughter. Like at a certain point, you just cut your losses, right? They didn't build him up to be that much of a psycho. So that was in, that was a kind of a weird twist. The next movie I want to talk about, we got two more to talk about. I'm making pretty good time. Mandy. Mandy starring Nicolas Cage. So this was a movie. I, I This was the movie I think most of you guys had probably already seen. Well, Fury... that So Fury said, dude, Mandy is so good. I... Let me, let me, here, here's my thing with Mandy. Is that the first, it's basically broken to three, three chapters. First one's called like the Shadow of the Mountains. And that's where we see Nicolas Cage and his wife, who, the Reaper really is his nickname. I don't remember what his real name was. And his wife, Mandy, just experiencing life together and being in love in 1983. And that's probably the first 10, 15 minutes and then we have the um, second Seraphim. We're talking. I watched five movies this week, so we're going over some movie club stuff. The second story is called like Children of the Night or the Twilight Children or something like that. And we see the story of this cult, this really weird religious cult. And this is when the movie really gets good, where we meet this guy. His name is like. Uh, Jonah or Jonason or something like that. And he has this cult that actually is like legit. Like they have real powers. And he sees Mandy walking down the road one day. And he's like, I need her. I feel naked without her. I got to have her. And he tells. One thing I love in movies and in real life is when bad guys get what's coming to them. Like people. Jeremiah Sand. Fear of the Cobras. Thank you. That was the villain's name. Uh, Jeremiah Sand. Thank you. I love it when bad guys get what's coming to them. So he has this cult and he's like, well, blow the, do you have the flute of Abraxas? And the guy like pulls out, it's really surreal visuals. He pulls out like this little conch shell and it's all, the lights are all changed and stuff like that. And Jeremiah's like, good, good. And he goes and sacrifice the fat one too. I'm tired of that guy. And I was like, that, it's funny because I'm thinking that guy, that fat guy was, I'm not sharing the fact that the fat guy dies, but I love it when people who engage in bad stuff get now, in real life, I don't want people to get, you know, sacrifice the demon, stuff like that. But you know, like, all these guys are perverts, and they're all going to meet their end. But I'm like, yes, okay, so, like, this guy's total pervert. He's probably seen a bunch of people died and totally liked it. He's going to get sacrificed and totally fine with that. So, anyways, they go to Mandy and the Reaper's house. And, oh, they call upon this conch shell. And then, um, in Vertigo 22, he says, this is sounding pretty gothic trippy. It is. It is, but we'll get to that in a second. They're no, 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 no. They blow, it, and then this motorcycle gang shows up, and they're like Cenobites from Hellraiser. Like one is completely decked out in armor, one's cover has nails sticking out of them, one's face is like melting, and they come out of the darkness, and and they they're drinking human blood, and the guy's like, "We need to go kidnap this girl." So they break into the house, and they They break in the house, and they they break into the house. 
and they kidnap Mandy. And Mandy is now brought before Jeremiah Sand, and they give her this, like, it's a lot of, like, Cthulhu mythos stuff. Like, they put this stuff in her eyeball, then they have, like, this bug that's about, like, the size of two baseballs, and it's, like, sticks her in the neck, and she's tripping really hard. And Jeremiah Sand's like, I am the Alpha and the Omega, she's tripping really hard, and he's, like, saying all this stuff. He's playing this album that he wrote, and he's like, they don't understand real music. They don't understand the power of God. And the song's about him. So the song's like, Jeremiah Sands, the best guy in the world. And his whole cult, there's like six people sitting around him. And he's like, you, everything is, belongs to me. Everything, everything, everything. And she's like looking at him and she goes, is this song about you? She's like drugged out of her mind that she doesn't know what happened to her husband right now. She goes, is this song about you? And he goes, yeah. So she goes, you wrote it? And he goes, yeah. And she starts laughing in his face, like laughing at him. And then he breaks down. He's like, don't look at me. Don't look at me to his other cult members. And then he runs and he looks in the mirror and he's like, why? Why doesn't she like me? And he's super like this insecure guy. And she's like, please, please, Dark Lord, give me the strength. Tell me what to do. Tell me. You know what to do, Jeremiah. Don't ever doubt yourself. Don't ever. And he like changes. And then we find out Nicolas Cage is tied up in the shed. And they come out and they said, um, your girlfriend laughed at us. And um, we're going to uh, stab you in the side like Jesus. And then we're going to set your, we're going to put your girlfriend in a sleeping bag. So we don't have to pay a stunt. This is where the movie started to fall apart for me. Okay. So I know you got no one. You guys really like this movie. This is where the movie started to fall apart for me. We're going to get a sleeping bag and put something in it. So we don't have to pay an actress to actually be set on fire or have some sort of stunt team. They put her in the sleeping bag. They light it on fire. They burn Mandy in front of him. And he's like, no, 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 no. And then they leave. Now, at this point, I'm thinking, oh, Mandy really wasn't in the sleeping bag. She's still alive. Because why would you put her in the sleeping bag? Why wouldn't you just set her up? How, how would he know that she's actually... No, she's really dead. She's, she's really dead. And I thought that was going to be the twist, that they broke her eventually, and she became a member of the cult, or he was going to go on this thing, and eventually he'd have to choose saving her or getting total revenge on this group. Nope. Nope. She died. They just didn't want to pay a stunt woman to roll around in flames, so they just set a sleeping bag on fire with some sort of motor in it that's slow. As it's on fire, the sleeping bag's like... So, anyways. But it's still, I'm into the movie. Because right now, it's 100% set up like an old-school Stephen King novel. If you've ever read Dr. Sleep, the sequel to, uh, to um, The Shining... That's what this felt like, but a better version. This cult that's on the road doing all this stuff. So, now the movie Mandy starts. Those are the first two parts. Now we're in the movie called Mandy. And we find out that Nicolas Cage is basically ghostwriter. Like, this is where the movie really falls apart. Because it basically becomes a movie where he goes to this shack and he, he goes to like his whistler character. This guy's like, oh, I knew you'd be coming back, Reaper. So I saved your crossbow and I built these bolts. Here's your, here's two arrows. Here's two arrows that'll cut through bone. And here, oh, and then he builds 
a giant scythe, like a giant Grim Reaper thing. There's a scene where he's like, making this giant, and I'm still into it, because I don't know how how the movie's going to turn out. It's like, oh, okay, now he's going to go to revenge. So that it's insane biker gang that they called forth with the whistle. It was just a bunch of regular bikers on acid. The guy's like, oh, yeah, dude. A long time ago, some bikers took some really strong acid, and ever since then, they've been like doing, do, doing. I'm like, they're monsters. The one guy has bolts sticking out of him. How do they know that? How do they know when one guy's face was melting? But it turns out they were just like regular, unless I missed something. When the dude was explaining that, he's like, they were just a bunch of regular bikers till they took some really, really strong acid. I'm like, what? So, anyways, anyways. So, the next hour of the movie is Ghost Rider. He even is using chains. He's like, whoa, whoa, he's setting people on fire. So he shoot he, he he shoots one member of the biker gang with an arrow and then decides to try to run him over. And then the car flips and he gets knocked out. And then they tie him up again. So he's already killed a member of the gang. They already spent, they already tied him up the first time, which was weird they didn't just kill him. Second time, they tie him up again, and they're like, you have a death wish. Ha, ha, ha. We're going to put our feet. We're going to do this to you for a bit. And then he gets loose. And, th- and uh, <laughs> well, it is the gothic trippy version of Saints Row is what Vertigo said. He ends up killing the biker gang, which here's the thing. I didn't care if he got revenge on the biker gang. They what I Here's how I would have done it. I would have not had him fight the biker gang at all. Or... You could have had him call the biker gang and finish off the last guy or something like that. I had no emotional connect because the biker gang just showed up in their house and then they get um, tied up and then they're gone. I wanted to see him fighting the people who actually killed his wife, not the people, not their accomplices, but you spend 20 minutes fighting these guys and then he just kills the cult. Like, they're just ordinary humans. So you have him fight like these monsters who were ordinary. And then he's, like, chopped them up. There was one guy who had, like, a giant blade. That's who Fury of the Cobra is just talking about. This guy's watching porn, and he has, instead of genitals, he just has a giant blade. And um, it's like, you just, what are you doing watching porn, bro? You can't, it's just a giant blade. Like, how are you even having any simulation from that? He ends up killing all those people, and then... Nicholas Cage goes, oh, you know what I should do? I should do some of this acid that I know turned them into monsters. So the Nicholas Cage is like, has acid, becomes Ghost Rider. He's flipping chains around, has a chainsaw fight, which is straight from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And then they blew the biggest... See how I'm... So at this point, I'm I kind of starting to lose interest in the movie. Ah, he's running around. So Ticket said Mandy's a psychedelic of a Super Nintendo side-scroller beat-em-up. That, the second half of it is. The first half of it, I felt, this is a true horror movie. I'm, this movie scares me. These type of people and these visuals and the idea of calling forth the dark... Hey, honey, honey, honey's leaving, but thanks for being here. Um, really, really appreciate it. The first half of the movie was scary. Second half of the movie was a side-scroller beat-em-up, like Tick has said. And not a not a great one, either. Because it's just, he's going for... At one point, this woman, the whole fight was like, this woman goes, oh, I can totally make love to you so good. 
I'm the best lover. And then he just walks in a room holding her head. Like, that's not even a, that's not even, (laughs) that's not even a fight scene, bro. She was like 60 years old. Anyways, they blew the biggest moment in the movie. The ending. The ending. He, He corners the cult leader. Now, we already saw the cult leader have a total breakdown when he was confronted by being laughed at. He walks in, finds the cult leader in his thing, and the cult leader's like, you can't come into my... Basically like a professional wrestler. You can't come into my world, Reaper. I am God. You can't stop me. No, you're here because I put you on a divine journey. Now you will come and be blessed. You will be born again by my love. You will become my newest disciple. And then Nicolas Cage grabs him by the head and he goes, Oh my God, please don't kill me. Don't kill me. Don't kill me. Don't kill me. I'll suck you off, bro. Please don't kill me. I'll do anything. And I'm like, that is awesome. That's awesome because you had this guy who's been leading this whole cult. We already saw his personality break once. And now in the front, because think about how, the reason why I love that moment is how many of his victims kneeled in front of Jeremiah and said, please, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. Please, 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 I'll do anything. And Jeremiah show no mercy. And now Jeremiah is at that point. Please, 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 don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. I'll do anything. I'll, I'll be gay for you, whatever, whatever. And that is perfect. And then he goes, no. No, I'm Satan's spawn. I'm so strong. You'll never defeat me, even if you kill me. They gave him a moment of redemption. He went out on top, and Nicolas Cage squishes his head. If Nicolas Cage had, if the Reaper had killed him five seconds earlier, that character would have been dead, a pathetic man. So why did they give him that? No, if you kill me, I still killed your wife. Nothing can change. Take that out. That, to me, the movie was already like, it was going, and then once he got, once they explained who the bikers were, I still thought, oh, this could still be pretty good. Once he got caught the second time, and I realized he was going to talk his way or escape his way out of again, it started to go downhill. And then the last 40 minutes was just fight scene. And it wasn't, again, even good fight scenes. It was just him walking up, chopping some dude's head off. And he had already killed the monsters. Now it was just hippies he was killing, right? Yeah, Peter, we're talking about men. And so why? But again, at that ending, I thought, how many of Jeremiah's victims pled for their life? I'll do anything. Just please spare me. To have him say those same words would have been great. But they gave him a hero's, quote-unquote, a hero's send-off. You know, imagine if the Emperor was like, please don't kill me, Darth Vader. Well, that would be kind of lame. But you know what I mean? The, the, actually, that fits his character that he didn't beg. That they threw him off. He's like, no! Falls down. Well, I mean, now they've retconned that. But anyways, you know what I realized, dude? Can I go off on a tangent real quick? Yeah, I'd say Mandy probably wasn't the, my favorite movie of, of this group, but let me go off on a tangent. I was thinking about this when I was taking a shower. Um, Star Wars is the story of the Vietnam War, and that's what um, George Lucas said time and time again. He goes, the original trilogy is the Vietnam War. It's about an indigenous, unmechanized fighting force defeating the most advanced force ever. 
Because that's what, when I was growing up, that's what Vietnam was to me. I was watching these kids in the jungle taking on tanks and jets and winning. I mean, they held their own and they eventually took over the country. They didn't win battles and they, they won the war, but that's just because America pulled out. But anyways, Star Wars was the um, Vietnam War. And he says that on his commentaries for the movies. He's not. See you later, Vertigo. I will check out Sicario and I'll look at the camera heads as well. You gave me both of those. I really, really appreciate that. Um, the prequels is the rise of Nixon. He said that when you have people in power and people constantly giving, he's totally on the record of saying this. This isn't some film theory conspiracy thing. When you have filmmakers, no, no. When you have people who are constantly be given power, they're going to get more and more corrupt. He saw Emperor Palpatine as Nixon. And, and so that played into the whole Vietnam War thing. So, um, what is this new? What is the new? I think that's one of the problems with the sequel trilogy and why it seems so disjointed. It, the, the original movies were based on this thing that he had gone through. Like, right there. Um, I, you know, I have not seen any of the new Star Wars movies at all. Um, I haven't seen. Um, the any of them I haven't seen Solo, which I actually heard was pretty good. I haven't seen Rogue One. Um, I watched The Mandalorian, and that last episode is hilariously bad. I like that show. I know I was talking about it a lot on the podcast, and I mentioned the last episode was was really bad, really bad. But um, you know, Barfy Man says that Palpatine is supposed to be Trump. I don't, I don't, I don't think they thought that far through. Honestly, I know they were using words like the resistance and they were like in this stuff. And but I don't think they thought it through politically. I know some of the writers of Rogue One were making political comments, but I don't think they weren't thinking it as thoroughly through as George Lucas was when he was planning out. The original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, which don't get it twisted. He made this stuff up as he went along. They made this stuff. Well, OK, Barfy Man said it was a joke, but I think some people did think that. Because they had the resistance and da 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 da, but I think that, um, yeah, I think that's a problem with the sequel trilogy, and I don't feel like I missed anything. I did watch Attack the Block the other day. I do like that young actor. Um, what's his name? Boyega. Is it Jonathan Boyega? Um, but anyways, no. Attack the Block was good. I thought the ending was a it was a little rushed, but um, yeah. Yeah, and I've seen a little bit of, of um, Force Awakens, and I liked Poe Dameron, and I liked Finn. I kind of liked the the buddy. They could have done a buddy cop movie type of thing with it, but I don't know. I don't know. But let's talk about a movie I actually did watch. I haven't seen those movies. I know everything about them. Huge Star Wars fan growing up. Now I'm a big Star Trek fan, but <laughs> I'm not watching any of that stuff. Tell you what, I would have started watching Star Trek Discovery, honestly, if it wasn't a prequel. I know it's not a prequel anymore, and now know it's in the future. But um, I would not watch... I, I don't really like prequels. Especially Star Trek prequels. I'm a huge, huge uh, fan of Deep Space Nine, of Voyager, stuff like that. Yeah. 
But anyways, anyways, yeah, I, uh, you know, there's um, now I'm just getting a lot of stuff about, um, yeah, um, Barfy Man saying to uh, skip the sequel trilogy solo. I started watching Rogue One after I was really into Mandalorian, but I just kind of got busy. Um, and then Tickus said, you know, Boyega was kind of screwed. Um, his character wasn't terrible, um, but they never did anything with it. And, and I again, like, I think you could have had like an interesting movie with a rebel pilot and an ex-stormtrooper. I mean, that's 48 hours right there. That's Lethal Weapon. That's any buddy cop movie. It would have been interesting because Lego and Mandalorian, they're telling a small story and it's huge. You don't have to tell these epic stories all the time. A buddy cop movie set in the Star Wars universe where you could have the ex-stormtrooper catch the rebel pilot and trying to take him to the Emperor. And you could still have a huge story in that. But you didn't need to have 20 different characters. You could have just had these two. And you didn't even have to really make it a comedy. I mean, I think there would be an... Those two characters, those two actors seem to be pretty funny together. But, um... Yeah. Uh, you could have done something different with that. You could have done something different with that. Yeah, if he was just an ex-stormtrooper instead of just being the janitor. they could have, And then you could have just had the um, Captain Phasma chasing him around the whole time. Right? You didn't need... You don't need all of the Force users. Or you could have been... I mean, imagine if you had it after Return of the Jedi, there was one Jedi and nobody knew where he was at, which is basically the plot of The Force Awakens. But they're not looking for him. Like, people are, but... I don't know, man. I could I could honestly rewrite Star... I remember when I was watching the... Because, I, again, I've never seen the new movies, but I know everything about them. I've read the plots 100%. I could tell you almost plot by plot what goes on. Because I am a Star Wars fan, I just didn't really want to waste time watching the movie. So instead, I wasted even more hours reading about them. Um, I remember when I was watching um, Infinity War. When I was watching Infinity War. When Thor was building that hammer in the moon or whatever. I remember putting my head in my hands and I thought, how did DC and Star Wars mess up so badly? Here is a scene where a man is building a hammer. And it's more exciting than anything. I don't think I don't think um, The Last Jedi had come out yet. But it was more exciting than anything that I... I like Batman v Superman. I do. But it is a mess of a movie. I like it how I like a friend of mine who has a drug problem. Like, yeah, he's really cool to be around, but he needs to get some stuff worked out. That might have been a mean analogy. See, that is an analogy I would edit out if I was doing the podcast because that's a little mean. But you know what I mean? Like, Batman v Superman is a mess. I do enjoy it. It has a lot of stuff I enjoy in it. But I remember thinking, how did they mess up so badly? Infinity War is close to a perfect comic book movie. The end game sucked so badly that I try, try not to think about it um, that much. And I haven't seen a superhero movie since. A Marvel movie since. It was so bad. So bad. Super disappointed. Uh, Fairy Grant asks, did you like that communist superhero Superman movie? Dude, uh, Superman Red Sun is dope. Superman Red Sun. If Superman crash landed in the Soviet Union instead of Kansas, 
what would have happened. Movie's interesting because it takes place over the course of like 60 years, which you rarely see movies take place that long. It's really good. It is really good. Um, and and so uh, Fury of the Cobras, um, Red Sun is different. Uh, the, the movie has a different ending. So I'd recommend watching the movie. There are differences between the comic book and the movie. I looked, my little brother had read the comic book and I thought, is this how it ended? And I'd recommend watching the movie. I, I, there's a, quite a few story beats that are different. There are quite a few story beats that are different. Um, Tickus said the majority of DC's animated movies are better. Uh, 100%, dude. Uh, Marvel has live action locked down, but DC's animated is untouchable. Absolutely untouchable. DC's animated, Marvel's never even come close to that. The DC's animated, anything, I mean, they've had their misfires. Gotham by Gaslight was, was unwatchable. I had to stop it and just read the ending. But, um, I mean, you have your, just Batman the Animated Series set the tone. Um, I never watched Justice League Unlimited. I never watched Teen Titans. I didn't watch all of that stuff because I was always a Marvel guy. But I started watching Flashpoint Paradox and Red Sun and uh, what was the one Under the Hood or Under the Red Hood. And I watched a lot of, oh, dude, that one. Um, I watched a lot of those Batman Superman ones, but the one with Supergirl and Doomsday. Jeez, dude. That the last 15 minutes of that movie, I was was. Like, it's like, how can you do that so well in an animated movie? The last 15 minutes of that movie is so awesome. And you're thinking, how can they do that this and this? But you can't do it. I love Zack Snyder to death, man. And and I, I love Zack Snyder. I think he's a great filmmaker. I think he's an amazing visual storyteller. I don't know if he was the right person to start. I think he, he could have done Man of Steel, no problem. And what's funny is I think if you change two minutes of that movie, it would have a completely different response. And that was him snapping Zod's neck. I think if you changed that, people would have liked it better. But dude, if you guys know what I'm talking about with the Batman, Superman, Supergirl moment, when they go back to Smallville, it's like, come on, dude. How can you do that? And, and Marvel doesn't even have scenes like that. Marvel doesn't even have stuff like that. The Fury of the Cobra says, I think Zack Snyder could do a good film franchise based off of Irredeemable. I don't know what Irredeemable is. Barfing Man says Sucker Punch was a great movie. I'm going to counteract that and say Sucker Punch was a great visual movie that had a twist that, again, it was like the movie Soul Station. I don't know if the twist really added anything to it. I think Sucker Punch, I really, really wanted to like it. I'm a huge Zack Snyder fan. I'll watch anything that he makes just because he's making it. Um, wasn't his strongest movie. Wasn't his... And I, I, I don't even know if I would say um, like he's made a terrible movie. I think Batman v Superman um, was just rough. It, it needed some polish. I've never seen the director's cut. I think Justice League needed that Snyder cut. Um. So yeah, I think that Zack Snyder, Fury the Cover said, "Irredeemable" is a good comic series written by Mark Raid on what if a Superman type character just couldn't handle the pressure of being Superman. 
he Zack Snyder when he makes comments of if I was directing a Batman movie, Bruce Wayne would get raped in prison. That's how dark I'm willing to go. That's totally fine. I don't think you should be. I don't. <laughs> he actually said that. And I get it. I get where he's coming from. In a real life situation, if Bruce Wayne was thrown in jail because he was globetrotting, like in Batman Begins, remember he goes over there and he's in jail for a bit of time, he would have been assaulted, right? In a real life situation in a foreign prison like that. But I don't want to see that in a Batman movie, right? But he actually said that. So I get where he's coming from. He's like, I can make it that dark. But I don't think we want that a Batman movie. If you had another movie about a vigilante hero, sure, 100%. Totally down. Totally down. Now, speaking of irredeemable and ir- incorruptible, have you guys seen um, Brightburn? The, um, <laughs> M. Um, the movie about the kid who crash lands in Kansas, but he's a psychopath. It's basically Superman's origin story, but he's a psychopath. That is the story of Brightburn. That was a movie that I just watched probably about a week or two ago. And Tickus says Brightburn is a fun romp. That is close to how I would describe it. It wasn't great. It was better than mediocre. Um, it was okay. The last five minutes is really dope. It could have been a short film. The last five minutes shows him blowing stuff up and and carving his initials and like wrecking trains and stuff like that. And then they show in this universe, I'm spoiling it um, because it's like the end credit thing. There's like an Alex Jones type character um, doing this news report. He's like, the government's trying to cover up. We've got this kid flying around in the sky, shooting beams out of his eyes. We got some other guy knocking over submarines. And they show like this photo of like this Aquaman type character. You got a woman coming out using her rope, hanging people. And then they show Crimson Bolt from the movie Super, that Rain Wilson film, where he was like the vigilante who just got sick of, shut up, crime, and he's bashing people's heads in with a pipe. They show him, and you're like, that's cool. It's like an evil Justice League. There we go. That's a five-minute thing on YouTube. I could have just watched that. Um, Anyways, anyways, that's not really giving the whole movie away. The movie was just kind of super was a better movie than Brightburn. Super was really kind of an interest, and it came, it's so funny. Actually, I want to go back to uh, Byron Bulb's comment here. Snyder should do a Punisher movie. I could see Snyder doing a Punisher. You know what's funny? There's two superheroes that you don't need big budgets for. There's, There's basically three, and you could probably argue more. Punisher, Batman, Daredevil. All three of those you could do super, super cheap. Now, you could start saying, like, yeah, Luke Cage and stuff like that. Luke Cage, sure. But they don't have... A Batman... You can make a cheap Batman movie. Because you really... The most money you would use is stunts. With this... Dude, I'm super excited about my homie... um, um, Robert Pattinson being Batman, dude. Like, I'm excited about that. And this Batman... I've been following the story. They shut down production right now. But I've been following Batman a lot. It's going to be a gear-oriented Batman. It's going to use a ton of gadgets. They showed the Batmobile. It's just a car. They showed the Bat motorcycle. It's just a motorcycle. Super gritty, realistic thing. But they're showing the sets. There's blimps. 
the the so they're thinking it's going to have a Batman the animated series feel. The director's a big fan of the Batman television show, the old 1960s television show. He doesn't want to go camp. He doesn't want to go campy with it, but he likes the gadgets. That bat symbol looks like it comes out, and he might be able to throw it. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm not a guy who's sleeping on Pattinson because I slept on. I'm old. I'm old. When I was a kid, when they announced that Michael Keaton was going to be Batman, I remember our family was like, what? Mr. Mom? Oh, this is going to be horrible. Michael Keaton is based Beetlejuice. Oh, my God. This is going to be so bad. I slept on Michael Keaton. I slept on Heath Ledger hard. Hard. I slept on Heath Ledger. I thought he would totally suck. And I remember watching the commercials for I hated the Batman I hated Batman begins. I didn't like it at all. I saw it and I was like, well, this is super boring. This is dumb. I didn't like it. I thought the beginning was really good, him training to be the ninja, and then him fighting the mobsters with all the scarecrow gas and I don't have to kill you, but I won't save you. I was like, what? And so when the Dark Knight was coming out, I really love Heath Ledger as an actor. But I was like, what? This movie looks so dumb. These trailers, he's just standing in the middle of the street shooting a machine gun like oh he's a real threat to batman heath ledger's a pretty boy this movie's gonna suck saying that up until i remember well he passed away i remember that was a thing and i was like oh my god i kind of felt bad and then um dark knight's great i think it's probably the best superhero movie i think it's the best superhero movie but um and then uh, Dark Knight Rises sucked. But anyways, and now I can go back and kind of appreciate Batman Begins a little more, but I wasn't into it. Yeah, um, the Dark Knight Rises was... Um, did I ever tell you guys on the show about my weird Dark Knight Rises experience? Did I ever tell you guys about that? Well, So I'm sitting... If I have, someone say it and I'll stop telling the story because I don't like repeating myself, but... I went to go see Dark Knight Rises opening night because Dark Knight was so good. This movie could have been terrible, right? So I went to go see the Dark Knight Rises. And it was a marathon. So I watched Batman Begins. I watched uh, Dark Knight. And then Dark Knight Rises starts. And we're maybe... I don't know. Maybe, I think it was... Towards the very end of Dark Knight. I'm at the theater here in Hood River, right? And we're just sitting there. I'm drinking my Coke, watching the movie. I'd seen the movie Dark Knight at this point probably like seven or eight times. And all of a sudden... <laughs> massive rainstorm out of nowhere just splits the sky open. And it's hitting the roof so hard it sounds like someone just ripped this i mean you just hear like hundreds of thousands of raindrops hitting at once it was louder than the movie so we're sitting there and we just hear a all this stuff you like these sound effects you always hear them on the podcast but now you can see me make them it's coming down hard it's so loud and so hard people are getting out of their seats and going out of the um exits you know the exits by the side of the theater and looking out, and they're coming back. They're like, now people are talking loudly over the movie. Dude, it's raining super hard out here. It just opened up. And I remember getting like a weird feeling. 
It's like, this is weird. I can't say precisely it was at the same moment. But given the time difference, I'm in the West Coast in Colorado that night. I walked into a movie theater, open fire. We were at the ending of The Dark Knight. And he opened fire, I believe it's kind of like after the Catwoman scene. The first Catwoman scene in The Dark Knight Rises where she's in the she's in the place she's trying to talk about uh, selling the jewel. She's in like the restaurant. It was, I can't say it was exactly that moment, but it was a time difference. And Barfy Man said God was crying. That's what it... Now, it was just really weird. I mean, it the storm came, and I can't say, and then it immediately stopped. And, and some guy was like, that was weird. I was wet. Now I'm totally dry. Like, I'm not going to make stuff up. The storm came out of nowhere, and then it just kind of faded away, like storms do. But it was so loud. It was louder than the movie. It was so loud. People were getting out of their seats to go see what was going on. And around the same time, someone was opening fire at a theater in Colorado. Which I am pretty sure I'd been to that theater. I had family in Aurora, Colorado. They had moved away at that point. But I no, I think my mom was still in there, but she never went to the movies. But I went and saw Revenge of the Sith and all that stuff out there. And remember that... Remember that, how uneasy you were being in movie theaters after that? I was. You're always kind of side to side. But then after a while, you just kind of start to drop your guard, right? So, yeah, I think that and, and I think that'll come out of this Corona thing. I think people are being safe now and... um I think things will return back to normal. I know a lot of people are saying the jobs are there are going to be jobs that are gone permanently, um, but I, I I hope not. And I think that those jobs that do disappear, I think they'll be replaced by different jobs. I was saying earlier, I think we're going to see the outside outdoor business boom after this. Um, but I mean that doesn't really help, you know, somebody who's working at a bar or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying not to think about that stuff because it, it's out of our hands. I just hope that it works. Let's talk about the last movie that we have on our list. And actually, it was the best movie I'd seen all week. Um, what was the thing? Oh, sorry. I was reading this up. Um, one Cut of the Dead. Now I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you the twist right now. So if you don't, if you want to see One Cut of the Dead, I really recommend seeing it. I think knowing the twist doesn't ruin the movie, but it ruins the magic of discovering the twist yourself. Now I talked about this. I'm a huge fan of Red Letter Media. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, don't get Lego Lens. Safari says to sometimes. Um, one Cut of the Dead. I read a letter media. Um, Jay recommended this on Red Letter Media. Huge fan of that podcast or uh, YouTube show. Um, Blackheart Cinema actually has a new episode out of their uh, YouTube show. Let's give them some um, subscriber love, too. They need more subscribers. So anyways, uh, but One Cut of the Dead. 
It is a one, it's a single shot, single take, no edit zombie movie. And the setup is this. This guy's shooting a zombie movie in one take. Cut. This See how I said cut? I realized I, I, I can't edit this. A guy's shooting, a, I say cut in real life now too. The Fury of the Cobra said um, probably the most fun they've ever had watching a zombie movie. I would agree. One Cut of the Dead is this. This guy wants to shoot a zombie movie. He gets these low-budget actors and stuff like this to go to a like house or like a, a factory in the middle of nowhere and says, let's uh, start shooting this movie. And he, he starts off by being like, you're not getting the acting right. You can't do it right. Come on. We know you could do so much better. What's going on? And then real zombies show up. Real zombies begin attacking the cast. And like at one point, there's this guy just sitting there and they're all discussing it. It's like there's like the makeup artist, there's the star, the, the actress, there's like the actor, the actress. And then there's like camera crew sitting around. This guy's sitting there. They know zombies are real at this point. Um, they've already been attacking people. And this guy's just sitting there and he's like sitting on this bench in the background and they're all arguing about zombies. And then he's like, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I'm getting up. And they're like, uh, thank you, Fury of the Cobras. Thank you for the donation. It is it is the best movie. The guy in the background's like, I can't do it, dude. I'm out. I'm out. And they're like, dude, you can't, you can't go outside. Switch the zombies outside. And he's like, I, I, I can't go, dude. I, I gotta go. I gotta go. I don't care. And he runs out. And then you hear him go, let me go. Oh my God, please let me go. Let me go. No. And so they're like, oh no, he's been eaten by zombies. And then they start coming up with a plan. Like, let's try to get to the car. So then they like try to run outside and there's like this crazy zombie chasing them. And then <clears throat> one girl gets scratched and they don't know the rules of the zombies, right? That's always the thing in these zombie movies. Is it something where a bite gets you or a scratch gets you, or does it have to be like actual blood transfer, like 28 days later or whatever? They don't know. She gets a scratch. And the makeup artist is like, she's a self-defense. She's teaching herself self-defense via like YouTube and stuff like that. So she's like, well, we're just going to have to kill you then, right? And they're like, no, no, be calm. And she's like, oh, I'm calm. I'm dead calm. Ah, she starts chasing them. And now it's all still done in one single take. And eventually, the, um, the woman, the makeup artist is trying to kill the girl. And the guy's trying to protect the girl. And the woman gets, we, we just do this long shot of this screaming girl's face as she's watching this fight between the boyfriend and the woman. And then the camera goes back and the woman has like an ax through her head. And the boyfriend is, um, now the girl's like, I don't even want to be with you anymore. Like you're killing people and stuff like that. And then he gets bit. And then at the ending, the director the whole time was like, I forgot, I should have said this earlier. The director was like, ha ha, I knew that this place used to be a experimental, experimental lab for zombies. And I knew the only way I could get the perfect at perfect performance out of you is to bring real zombies. So I created this thing. He said that earlier in the movie. That wasn't like some big twist. I created this thing. And so he was throwing zombies at the people. Like they go, they get in the car, they're safe. He opens the door, throws a zombie in and goes, action! Because he's trying to get this perfect look of fear in her face. And in the ending, she uh, she ch kills the boyfriend. And then, because he he'd become a zombie. 
And the actor was like, no, 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 no. You were supposed to, the script was he eats you. Like, you broke the script. You didn't do it right. And then she murders him. And then she walks to the roof and there's like this bloody pentagram. And that's where they created this ritual to summon the real zombies for the fake zombie movie, One Cut of the Dead. Roll credits. That's the first 30 minutes of a two-hour long movie. So you're watching it and you go, I know this movie's like an hour and a half, two hours long. Why are those credits? Like it's just and it was all done in one single take. That 30-minute horror movie's end so the, the credits roll. Yeah. If you heard the cover said I had to check my time. Yes. My and Sephora loves my murder sign language. If you watch the live stream, you can see that. Um and then the movie starts. The, we cut to about a month earlier, and there's this guy sitting at this production meeting, and they go, we're starting this new thing. This is a Japanese movie, by the way. It's all subtitles, but it's one of those movies you forget that it's subtitles. They're, he's sitting at this production company, and they go, we're going to start this new zombie channel. And for the first show, we want a half-hour-long, live, single-take zombie movie about a director who makes real zombies show up. So the movie is totally fake. And the next hour is them planning, plotting, and then shooting the movie. It becomes a comedy. The first half hour is a straight up, there's funny moments in it, but it's a horror movie. It's super gory, and the zombies are constantly attacking them. The next hour is everything that happens behind the scenes is they're planning to shoot a live zombie movie in a single take. And the so you see the production meetings, you see like all these people, like ha they're barely competent in what they can do. The guy who plays the director in the movie has to, he gets in a car accident. So the director of the movie actually has to play the director in the movie. And his wife, who's a crazy actress, has to play the makeup artist in the movie. And they go, why did your wife stop acting? And he goes, oh, she gets too into her roles. So he goes crazy. She's really starts beating up the zombies. Like there's one point when you're watching the first half hour, she's doing these jump kicks and she's jumping these. She's like kicking me. And when you first watch it, you're like, whoa, dude, she kicked that guy hella hard. And then she runs up and she kicks another dude hella hard right in the chest. And then a third guy, she kicks hella hard right in the chest. And you're like, whoa, that's some pretty good stunt work. In the movie, we find out she's so crazy. Those act, the, they get a, the actors get a little earpiece thing and they're like, dude, stop her. She's off script. And they're like, hey, please, no, 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 get back to your position. And she's kicking them super hard. And that dude, so when you're watching the first movie, there was that, when that guy was sitting on the bench and he just, I, I remember watching it go, why is he just sitting on the bench? Everyone else is super panicked about this stuff. Like, why is he just sitting there? And then he gets up. He's like, I got to go outside. It's like, what? That's kind of dumb. And then I started thinking, well, maybe he's figuring he can make a break for it or something like that. And then he goes outside and you hear the zombies attack him. And you're like, it's kind of weird. We find out that that actor, because again, it's live single take. They can't do any editing. That actor can only drink a certain type of water. And if he drinks the wrong type of water, he gets diarrhea. So he drank the wrong type of water 30 minutes before the movie started. So the reason why he was sitting on that bench, we see now from a different angle, he's like, oh my God, I gotta go poop so bad. I gotta go poop so bad. I gotta go poop. And they're shooting this movie and he's like, screw it. I I'm up. 
And he goes to leave. And they're like, no, 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 don't leave. Don't leave. There's uh, zombies out there because it wasn't in the script. He wasn't supposed to die for another 10 minutes. And he's like, I got to go. I got to go. He runs outside. Now, when we first saw the movie, we just hear him from inside going, no, please let me go. Let me go. Let me go. And you think it's the zombie. Yes. He's screaming because he's pooping his pants. We now see outside like a bunch of like assistants holding him down. And he's like, oh, and then they still have to make the movie. So the makeup artist is having to put on makeup as he's pooping in the corner. It's like, dude, this is so it's so funny. It's so funny. And that there's just so many points. I really recommend watching it, even knowing the twist for two reasons. One, now that you know the twist when you're watching it, I think you'll see more stuff and go, that's weird. Why are they doing that? That's weird. Why are they doing that? There's so many points in that movie where I was cracking up. And it's super heartwarming. Because really at the core of it, after we get past the movie One Cut of the Dead, it's a story about fathers and daughters. The director has an estranged relationship with his daughter. And one of the actors also has an estranged relationship with his daughter. And it was so sad because the actor, one of the, one of the zombies kept acting super weird. It's because he was super drunk. He was alcoholic. We find that later. First, you're watching, you're like, why is that zombie acting so weird? You have this scene where this alcoholic actor is like, I'm not drinking for the rest of the shoot. And the director's like, that's good. That's good. The actor opens up a book and there's a picture of his daughter on the front of the on the inside of the script. And he goes, this is what keeps me going. This is what keeps me going. I uh, missed her last birthday because I was so drunk. Um, she doesn't see me anymore because I drink and I hadn't seen her in so long. I, I, I got nervous. She was coming over. So I drank. I slept. And I was like, oh, I've known people with abuse issues like that, man. Like, what a what a heart-wrenching moment, dude. Yeah, and, and it does add a huge layer to the performance. Um, oh, he's talking about that. Yeah, there's one point the zombies start throwing up on people, but then it finds out it's just the alcoholic dude throwing up on people when they had taken the throw-up out of the script. When the zombie starts throwing up, it's because he's he's drunk. But yeah, there's some just moments like that, those quiet moments. And again, it's a kind of a throwaway moment, but then it kind of builds from there. Movies, Soul Station's about uh, family relationships as well, but in a bad way. Train to Busan is about uh, fathers and their kids as well. But um, One Cut of the Dead is the best movie I've seen this week. And I'd say, see, I don't list One Cut of the Dead as one of the best zombie movies I've ever seen because I think it kind of transcends that. It uses zombie as, as a motif. Shaun of the Dead is a zombie movie. Because if you took the zombies out, then it wouldn't exist. But one cut of the dead, you could have done the beginning as any sort of single-take haunted house movie or single-take action movie or a sporting event or whatever. You could have had another gimmick there. Um, it being Zombies aren't essential to it. Um but definitely the best movie I've seen this week, and it might be one of the most interesting movies I've seen in a long, long time. Uh, David Luna asked earlier, have I seen any Takashi um, McKay films? Um, I've seen almost all of them. Now, I can't, I don't know how, what his most recent stuff is, but there was a time where I was watching a lot of his stuff. If you want a, a visionary horror director, um, you're not going to do any better than Takashi 
Um, and he's done um, Happiness of the Katakuris, which is one of my... Uh, <laughs> it's the best zombie musical ever made. Um, again, transcends the zombies, transcends musical. Um, Ichi the Killer is... A, yeah, Barfy Man just mentioned that. Ichi the Killer is brilliant. Audition... I knew about going into it, and I I thought it was kind of boring. Honestly, he watched. We did that one called like Channel Zero, not this television show. He did one about a family, like reality show family. I believe he did um, Sukiyaki Western Django. If he didn't do that, that one's brilliant as well. Seen a ton of his stuff. If I pulled up a list, I don't think I saw Spiral, but I don't know if he. Yeah, you know the thing about the Shutter thing auditions on there. There's a ton of foreign uh, movies um, on there, which is nice. There's this. Um, let me pull this up here, and I'm gonna go in a in a, in a bit. Um, but there's a. Let me read you the synopsis of this movie. I think I'm gonna watch on Shutter. Super weird. Visitor Q. Visitor Q. Yes. Yes, um, that was the one that I was thinking of. Was that the one with the family? Um, you know what movie I really want to watch, but I'm super scared? I'm too scared to watch it, dude. It's on my list, my Shutter playlist, but I'm too scared. It's The Ring versus The Grudge. There's no way I can watch that right now where I'm stuck inside, bro. The Ring is like the scariest movie to me. And I'm not a huge fan of the Grudge Monster either. There's this movie out called White God. I'm going to read you this synopsis. It's Hungarian. That's what's cool about this Shutter site. They have all this stuff. Let me read you this synopsis. White God is the name of it. It's called White God. When young Lily is forced to give up her beloved dog, Hagen, because its mixed breed heritage is deemed unfit by the state, she and the dog begin a dangerous journey back towards each other. So that that sounds like a like a movie, like a, a girl and his dog, or a boy and his dog. I, don't, I think it's a girl, girl and a dog. But that's not the end of the plot. At the same time, all the unwanted, unloved, and so-called unfit dogs rise up under a new leader, Hagen, the one-time house pet, who has learned all too well from his masters. In his journey through the streets and animal control centers, that man is not always dog's best friend. And so here's the, like, picture. It's like just a bunch of dogs. So that might be interesting, like a dog rising movie. Have you guys ever seen Rubber about the tire, the serial killer tire? That, unironically, is a really good movie. Rubber's a really good movie. Um, a Fury of the Cobras is Sadako vs. Kayako spooky. You say it's a romp and the ending's ridiculous, but is it scary? That's the question. That's the question on mine. And Barfy Man, I've never seen Tetsuo. That's also available on Shutter. I haven't watched that yet. Okay, Fury says it's not spooky. I may give it a shot, but if I'm too scared to start putting out new episodes, if you hear my teeth chattering in the background of every episode... It's because uh, Fury of the Cobras made me watch a super spooky movie. Yeah, dude, Shudder's free. Again, I'm not sponsored for them right now, but 30 days free. They have so many 
What's really cool, I like about it, like old school Netflix, the reviews for the movie are right underneath the movie. So I'll look at a movie and be like, oh, that looks interesting. And then I'll just look at all the reviews. Uh, they're also doing a documentary series right now on cursed films, which um, looks to be interesting. The first one's The Exorcist. That's a pretty well-known cursed film. But um, yeah, they got Old Boy. They got all that stuff. Um, they have a movie called Deadly Games. It's a 1990 French film, and it's about a guy who tries to kill Santa Claus. It's like a, it's called Deadly Games, also known as Dial Code Santa Claus. So just a bunch of weird stuff, stuff that I've never even heard of is available on there. Um, no, Sephora, I don't need demons to scare me. And, and Freddy vs. Jason, I didn't think was scary. I thought it was really, really good, though. I really liked that movie. Well, guys, that lasted a lot longer. And, and no, I figured it'd probably be about an hour, but an hour and a half. So I'm going to edit. Probably not a lot. I'll probably keep it in. Um, Shutter's $5.99 a month, but right now, if you use the promo code SHUTIN, it's 30 days free. Because, you know, we're all shut in. S-H-U-T-I-N. I've definitely got... I'm going to keep it going for probably at least... The, I feel at this point, I've watched a movie a night. I did start watching a television show, too, called Supermax. It was a Brazilian show. It was just too slow-paced for me. It got good reviews, but I watched the first two episodes, and I still wasn't hooked. Um, some characters are making dumb decisions and stuff like that. But um, Let the Right One In, that's on here. That's a really good one. Demons and Demons 2, those are two really good monster zombie movies. They're demons, but they're basically zombies. You get bit, you become one. Um yeah, a lot of good stuff on here. But anyways, again, I'm not getting sponsored by them. Um, they also have podcasts on here, which is interesting. I've been thinking about checking that out, like a haunted video store podcast. Um, and they have a documentary series called Horror Noir Uncut. And it's it's interesting. I've really never even uh, considered it before. It's black um, actors and filmmakers who do horror. So they have an episode on Tony Todd, episode with Keith David. He was the thing. He's now the spawn. He's doing the voice for Spawn in Mortal Kombat. He was Spawn in the HBO show. He's in Saints Row. We were talking about that earlier. Ken Forey. So it's basically just black. Um, there's only six episodes of it, but it's black actors, black filmmakers. Uh, Rachel True. Uh, she was in The Craft. It's just kind of an interesting conversation on it. It's funny because horror movies are really, like, from the very beginning, were some of the most, they've, well, I should say, like, when you look at horror movies from, like, the 60s, 40s, super diverse. You never had issues with diversity in horror movies. And I think it's because there was just low-budget people getting together with their friends, and friends tend to be diverse. It should be the big Hollywood blockbusters where you're like, we need this ethnic group and this ethnic group and this ethnic group. You're like, dude, have you seen Nightmare on Elm Street? Have you seen any of these slasher movies where you'd have gay characters in them? And then, and then you would, wouldn't have stuff like that until like 2010 in, in some other movie. Well, it's, but see, here's the thing. So Jordan Peele's movies aren't very diverse. I've really only seen the one, which was Get Out. But what I'm saying is that you can't have a... People talk so much about diversity in films. Diversity existed in films. Just weren't the movies that they were watching. They just weren't, right? That existed. All that stuff that people are trying to put into this or that or the other thing, horror beat them to the punch. 
sci-fi beat them to the, definitely sci-fi stories. Sci-fi stories have always been like Star Trek stuff like that. So, but yeah, um, horror movies definitely, I think, just has always been about different experiences right from the beginning. You do have tropes and stuff like that, but um, that's one of the things I like about horror movies. Horror movies are where other movies are going to be. They, I think horror movies really set the trend. That's where you have, think about it, dude. All of these directors that are coming up and doing other than like um, the guys who did Endgame and stuff like that, a lot of these directors start off doing low-budget horror, low-budget sci-fi. There was a th- I remember reading this article and they said the, the medium-budget movie's gone now. They don't exist. Because what happens is you have the guy who directed Clown. The guy directed Clown. He started off, did a YouTube video. Eli Roth saw it. It was a fake trailer for a movie. Eli Roth saw it. Helped him produce the movie Clown, which was a pretty decent horror movie. And then um, his next movie was Spider-Man Homecoming. It used to be you'd work your way up. Fury of the Cobras just said Peter Jackson comes to mind. Same thing. He does Bad Taste. He does Dead Alive, which is an amazing zombie movie. And then um, he does Heavenly Creatures, which was a medium budget film. And then he does Lord of the Rings. Which what didn't really blow the budget out. He actually gave money back to New Line and said, oh, guys, you gave me this extra money. So um, you have that. Um, we don't have medium budget movies anymore. You take these young directors, Colin Trevorrow, shot Safety Not Guaranteed. Steven Spielberg said Safety Not Guaranteed is the time travel movie. But the guy who says he built a time machine, he's looking for someone to travel with him into the past. And it was funny because in they're watching the movie. Steven Spielberg was watching the movie um, Safety Not Guaranteed, and he, he was saying to himself, "If this movie ends with him going back in time, I'm going to talk to him about directing the new Jurassic World movie. If it doesn't, then I'm not." And the movie ends with the guys going back in time. And Steven Spielberg mentioned that in an interview and he says, because that showed to me that he had the imagination. Isn't that weird? One little change in the movie would have affected his career forever. Colin Trevorrow is now an A-list director. I don't know if he's super like well-known, but um, I, I think he's, he's, I mean, he was up in line to do a Star Wars movie. He was going to do the third one until they brought in J.J. Abrams. So Scrimp, Yes, I have been announcing on the podcast um, the movies that I watched. So we'll be doing that again. Um, I think I, I, this this was fun for me. I love interacting with you guys. I think it gives some format. Usually when I do live streams, I'm kind of like, uh, what, do you, what do you want to talk about? So I think we'll do, um, we'll try this again at least. Um, pretty decent turnout because I know I have a lot of listeners in other countries. And it's way later for them. But yeah, no, I had a really good time. I'm glad you guys were here as well to discuss some movies. We'll watch some more movies next week and see if we can make it not an hour and 38 minutes. But hey, guys, I really appreciate you guys coming out, spending time with me. Be safe. Be kind. Keep your hands washed. Um, If you want to see my crib, I did a live stream just a little bit ago. Um, And um, you can see my food supply and stuff like that. That video is currently labeled as test. It's 40 minutes long, but it may be the first 20 minutes I'm showing you all my stuff. But um, thank you, everybody. And um, I love you guys. I hope everything works out. I know it will. We just got to stay inside, keep our hands washed, and uh, 
We'll have I've got some new crazy conspiracy theory stuff coming out on Monday, so we'll do it. Have a great one, guys. I'll see you guys later. And here comes my finger coming towards the screen. Do, 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 do. Bye, Sephora. Bye, Scrimp. Bye, Barbie Man. Bye, Tickus. Click.